Averaging the fewest air yards per attempt. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yards per attempt. What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? Happy to have you guys for another fresh edition. Yards per attempt on the 13th day of the year 2021. Happy New Year to everybody out there. 2021 looks a lot like 2020. Hopefully that changes pretty soon. But happy to be talking Raider football with you for the next, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. But happy to be on here again. A lot to get into. A lot to discuss we have the playoffs going on. This weekend is honestly the best weekend of football that we'll all see. Divisional weekend. Divisional weekend, by all accounts, has the best teams in football playing in it. So you get football porn for another weekend. Last weekend was awesome with three wild card games on Saturday, three wild card games on Sunday. It was the first Sunday I didn't work since early September, since week one. And my liver paid for it. But it was a great, great, great weekend of football. I'm looking forward to another great weekend of football. And and before we get to the Raiders stuff, let's just give a shout out to two fan bases that Raider fans could, you know, feel their pain with. That's the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. Buffalo Bills fans have waited a long time. Cleveland Browns fans have waited an even longer time to have to get back to the playoffs and have success in the playoffs. The Bills had Brady and Belichick in their way for years and years and years and could never get over the hump. And the Browns were just the Browns for every single year since we've been on this earth. But it was good to see them back in the playoffs. The Browns put an absolute whooping on the Steelers. It was kind of good to see. I kind of wish they scored in every single possession. But And the Bills, too. I wish, I wish, I wish that Governor Cuomo here in New York, who I won't go and talk about on a separate basis, but... I digress. I wish he let more people, more Bills Mafia into the stadium to see the Buffalo Bills, even this week in a divisional round, because those two fan bases are rabid. They are a lot like the Raiders. There's been a lot more losing than winning over the past 20 years or so. So it was good to see teams like that kind of finally get over the hump. Say what you will about these playoffs. We've had a lot of new blood. You know, the Buccaneers back in the playoffs, the Browns back in the playoffs. Teams like that getting back and hopefully, hopefully, We're sitting here a year from now talking about the Raiders winning a playoff game and going to the divisional round. But as we sit here again on the 13th day of January 2021, we are in a familiar familiar place. Eight and eight, missing the playoffs, and it's on to arguably my favorite time of the year, and that is the business season. The business season of the NFL, where rosters churn over, coaches get fired, all the draft happens, everything comes together. And it's going to be, look, I, I, I want to get excited about it. I am excited about it because in one of my main themes I want to get into, it's almost like every year you get to the, the hit the reset button. And a special, special shout out to Reggie McKenzie and everybody that came with him to help fix the Raider cap situation. Because say what you will about Reggie McKenzie, the talent evaluator, he did bring Derek Carr. He did bring Gabe Jackson. He brought a lot. He brought Khalil Mack. He brought a lot of good players to this Raider organization. 
His lasting legacy will be someone that came in and fixed the cap disaster that the Raiders were always about under Al Davis, rest his soul, and everybody else that came in between. But the way the Raiders do contracts now is really smart. A lot of teams do similar things because free agency, most of the time, you get burned. So every single year, despite where the Raiders are in cap right right now, which is not a lot of space, they're going to be able to hit the reset button, clear a lot of cap space, and dive back in. But I want to hit on the main topic first, and that is the Raiders bringing in a new defensive coordinator, Gus Bus. Let's everybody jump on the Gus Bus. Gus Bradley comes over from the L.A. Chargers, guy that was you know, influential in the Legion of the Boom, was a head coach for the Jaguars for a couple of years, been with the Chargers, had top 10 defenses, had good defenses for the majority of his career, coached with John Gruden in Tampa Bay. We all knew that when push come to shove, Wade Phillips was probably not going to be the guy that John Gruden was going to hire. Maybe personality-wise, maybe that, but John Gruden, to maybe his detriment, and we'll, that will have to play out throughout his career, but we'll always go with someone he knows that he trusts. And he knows Gus Bradley. He knows a couple of the guys that are on that list, Raheem Morris, Joe Barry, and they got their man in Gus Bradley when he wasn't retained by the L.A. Chargers. You can't sit here and say it's, it's a weird – coaches are a weird breed, right? Because the next great D.C. that's out there, like did anybody know who Matt Eberflus was – Five years ago. No. Did anybody know who Patrick Graham was that is the Giants defensive coordinator two years ago? No. Nobody had any idea who these guys were. And all of a sudden they come in and they're they're really, really good teachers of the game and coordinators. So for us to sit here and say that the candidates went, man, eh, Gus Bradley, eh, these guys, retreads, ah, 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 is all well and good. But you also have the unknown. You didn't know that Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, was going to turn out to be a star. You don't know these guys are going to be they're going to turn out to be stars until you give them a chance. So having said that, we all knew John Gruden was going to go that, that younger guy route and just turn over the defense to a guy that doesn't have any experience. So he brings in Gus Bradley that's had success on the defensive side of the ball. Now, having said that, Earl Thomas isn't walking through that door. Cam Chancellor's not coming with him. Richard Sherman in his prime ain't walking through that door. This isn't like Gus Bradley's going to come here and all of a sudden Jonathan Abram and company are going to turn into the Legion of Boom. We all expect, we, we, we expect this. But what Gus Bradley has going for him is the floor is so absolutely low. It's, it's lower than the floor. It's in hell right now. That's where, the, that's where he has to live up to. Anything he does, he can't do anything worse than what the Raiders put on the field last season in terms of defense. So a couple things that I like. He runs cover three, and everyone's getting caught up in, uh, he runs cover three and this and that, blah, 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 and he doesn't blitz a lot. That's all well and good. But what I like about him is he's multiple. There's a lot of multiple looks. He even said in his press conference uh, with the Raiders media and all the beat guys the other day that, yeah, he's cover three to his heart and to his base, but he's very multiple. And you saw with the Chargers. We played the Chargers twice a year, every year, and we see what kind of you know defense they bring. It's not always the same look all the time. So... He, I mean, even if he's not blitzing, I like the fact that he's going to have multiple looks. A couple of things, other things I like. He's energetic, whereas Paul Gunther just sat there with his hands on his belly and just tried to make guys tackle, which didn't never happened. And he preaches speed and getting to the ball. Those two things. So what do you want from a new defensive coordinator? Because 
the roster as is constituted right now is a really, really young secondary, really, really young defensive line. You need Gus Bradley to come in and teach these guys, A, how to just play fundamental football, how to do your job. And it sounds so corny and so cliche, like, oh, my God, do your job, do your job. Yeah, but that's why Bill Belichick's been saying it for the better part of 20 years, and they've won six Super Bowls. Just do your job. You don't have to be superstars out there, but if you do your job, if you tackle the guy on third and 18 for seven yards, you get off the field. If, if, you, if you stay in your lane, you don't let the, the running back bust out for a 25-yard gain. Little things like that, teaching these guys, teaching Damon Arnett not to throw his body into a six foot five, 240-pound tight end and knock himself out of the game. Telling Jonathan Abram you can't come up in coverage and leave you know, one-on-one coverage or a guy running free. Just things like that. What the Raiders really need from Gus Bradley is a teacher of the game, one, make this defense fun for the young guys out there. But uh, the quote that really you know, sealed it for me, what, which makes you excited, and you should be excited. You should be excited about new blood. It wouldn't have been exciting to keep Rod Marinelli. It wouldn't have been exciting to keep Paul Gunther. But this is exciting. It's new blood. It's a new teaching format. As long as the guys, the young guys on the defense get excited about it, that's all that really matters. So the quote I like that Gus Bradley had was, it's based on fundamentals around the personnel we have and putting guys into position to make plays. I've said it on this podcast a million times, a million times. You sign guys, you draft guys. For what purpose? If you're not going to play to their strengths, Corey Littleton, as much as he had a crap season, and man, I'll give him credit. After the season, he came out and manned up and said, I had a he said, I had a terrible year. He said he was lost. So to me, that's, that's basically the most, what's the word? Uh, infuriating thing about Paul Gunther and the defensive staff is you sign a high-prized free agent in Corey Littleton, bring him into your system, and instead of playing to what he, hey, Corey, what, what do you like? What, what makes you, what's going to make you the best player on defense to help us win? It's no, you learn what defense I am teaching you or else. But you have to learn it the way I teach it. How stupid is that? That's the definition of, of insanity and, stup- and stupidity. That you're going to tell a guy that you brought in to fix the defense, you do it my way. And obviously he was struggling, and we did nothing about it. So you have all these guys, free agents, first-round picks, all over, the, all over the defense. Let them play to their strengths. Give them the tools to excel. That's all you could ask for. So I'm pumped up about Gus Bradley. It's, again, new energy. It's a new voice. Again, he's not bringing Joey Bosa. He might bring Melvin Ingram, and that's a story we'll get into in a little while. But he's not bringing those speed pass rushes, and he's not bringing the Legion of Boom with him. So let's not get any thoughts of grandeur here that Gus Bradley's going to come in and turn this into the 85 Bears. But we don't need him to. The offense is good enough that if you have a middle-of-the-road defense, you know, 15, 16, 17, 13, 14, 12, something, something that rage, you can add a couple wins onto this Raiders team because the offense, like we talked about all year long, is good enough. So Gus Bradley, to me, and he's a, he's a good man, he's a funny guy, he's a family guy, but he has the easiest job in the world, in my opinion, because he's coming into a situation that's so bad, that's so putrid. All he could do, anything he does, is going to be looked at like he's the savior. He, I, I tweeted this the other day. If he gives them a middle-of-the-road defense, 
gives this team a middle of the road defense, and next year they're eleven and five or ten and six in the playoffs, they're gonna build a statue to this guy. He might he might get another head coaching opportunity out of this. So this is a smart decision by Gus Bradley to take over a defense that's so bad in so many different ways and come in and clean it up. All right, let's get back to now, which is we got the coach in place and Gus Bradley. He's going to fill out his staff, bring some guys over from, from L.A., and he'll fill out his staff nicely. So you have the coaches in place. Now it's about personnel. And what do we do about personnel? So that's why when I started the show, I said, it's the business season. We should all be excited or maybe scared a little bit as Raider fans that it is the business season because you can hit the reset button. Let's hit the reset button again because it's almost like every year you got to Stack the chips in your favor and thank Reggie McKenzie and the salary cap guy at the Raiders for doing this. There's players that the Raiders can get out from under that would save $54 million in cap space. This is going to be a really weird year. With COVID, with no fans in the stands, the salary cap number is probably not going to go up much. It might if they add an extra game next year, but we don't know. A lot is in flux. And when I say a lot is in flux for, for two reasons. You have teams that are in salary cap hell, the Steelers, the Saints, teams like that that are just a mess in the salary cap. So one big thing to me, and that signifies to me, well, two things really. One big thing is there might be some guys on the free agent market that wouldn't be on the free agent market in years past where there was more salary cap. If there, you know, there was a bump in salary cap, 10 million, a team can keep a player and say, you know what, we, we, we can afford this. They might not be able to now. So you might be able to get one or two free agents in this market that would never be in a market that wasn't a pre-COVID market. So that's exciting in my eyes. I don't know who that player is. Again, long offseason. Who knows? It might be a number of players. Another facet. Teams in salary cap hell. Salary cap doesn't go up. You're going to see good players being released. And we'll get to the Raiders. The, 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 you know, Say what you will about the Raiders' cap number and what they can get out from. You're still releasing good football players. So good football players are going to flood this market. And then the last point is, maybe guys are willing to take one-year deals. And you've seen it over the past four or five years in the NFL, where guys are betting on themselves. Hey, listen, look at Nelson Aguilar. I'm going to sign a one-year deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to bet on myself. He played his ass off, and now he's in line for a payday. It doesn't always work out that way, but I think even more guys, you're going to see even more one-year deals. Hey, salary cap's not what it, what it is. Next year, we're going to get fans in the stands. It's going to go back up. I can get an even pay, even bigger payday. Nelson Agle, look at Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd bet on himself with the LA Rams. 11 and a half sacks. The guy's a beast. He's going to get a huge play, payday. So all those factors, you're going to get guys in the, on the market that are not normally on the market because of the salary cap. You're going to get good veteran players that have to get released because teams can't afford to keep them. And you're going to see a lot of one-year deals. So that's exciting to me, number one. Let's talk about the guys on the team. I referenced the $54 million in cap space, and that's going to fluctuate. You're going to have to re-sign guys and all that kind of stuff. But let's start with some guys. And let's start with the guy that I have mentioned probably on this podcast way more than I should have this season. He had a ridiculous 2020, and I, I say ridiculous not in the good sense. Trent Brown had such a roller coaster 2020. I don't understand a way, unless he takes a pay cut, and in my mind, I don't know how he does, there's no way you could bring this guy back. John Gruden's number one pet peeve 
is guys that don't practice during the week and are not available on game day. And I'm not sitting here and questioning Trent Brown's toughness and anything that goes with it. He had a bout with COVID. He had the crazy IV thing with the heart, which is scary enough. So he had a lot of stuff going on. Maybe it was just one of those years. But you're paying him, and the, 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 the telling thing that John Gruden said after the season was, we're paying him like the LeBron James of right tackles. To me, that's such a double-sided comment by Gruden. I know it eats him up that he has to pay a right tackle $14 million a year. This team, as constituted right now, is not good enough to pay a right tackle $14 million a year. That money could be such, could be spread so many different places, allocated so many different ways to help this football team. You can't bring this guy back unless he takes a massive pay cut. And I don't think he will because he's young enough and, and Drew Rosenhaus will spin it and say, hey, I'm going to get another payday from somewhere else. And he probably will. But $14 million, take that money, get a really good right tackle. He's obviously not going to be as good as Trent Brown, but a good right tackle for half the money and sign a pass rusher for half the money. To me, it may, it's a no-brainer. Because you know why? They went 8-8. Eight and eight. I understand it. And maybe if Trent Brown plays all 16 games, they go 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. But they were mediocre with him. So without him, to me, it, it's, an, it's, it, it's something that has to happen. Because I think it takes away from the team. I think his shenanigans, and I'm not talking about the injury stuff. I'm not questioning people's toughness. Again, but his shenanigans and his lack of, <sighs> I, I don't even know what the word is, lack of being there for his teammates consistently is something you can't have for a guy that's playing right tackle, not left tackle, and making $14 million a year. Trent Brown and his contract should be out the door. Number two, and it's it's an easy one. He was I, I love the signing when it happened, but you know he missed the whole year. Tyrell Williams, his $11.6 million cap hit next year. He got replaced. Aguilar came along. They drafted Ruggs and Brian Edwards. Again, he got hurt. It was really no fault of his own. He, he, I really expected more out of him. He was John Gruden's ex-receiver and the guy that he thought was going to fill that, that role. But at that cap number, there's absolutely no way you could bring him back. So you got Trent at 14 coming off the books. You got Tyrell at 11.6 coming off the books. The next guy's easy because if you listen to this podcast, you know I do not like LaMarcus Joyner. Nothing against the man or the person, but he is not what this Raiders defense needs. He was a disaster free agent signing. He wasn't a nickel corner. He looks lost in coverage every time he's out there. I, I, I challenge you, and I said this on the Raider Cody podcast, my buddy Cody. I challenge you to remember one play from LaMarcus Joyner's career. We, we sit here two years from now BSing about the Raiders. I challenge you to remember one play that guy made for the Raiders. So him and his 11.2, which there is a $2.5 million cap charge, but if they designate him as a post-June 1, it's 1.5. So you're just, you know, uh, I'm not a math whiz here. Don't hold me to it. Around nine million bucks out the door. See you, Lamarcus Joyner. Have a nice life. The next guy is 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 an interesting dynamic, and it's Marcus Mariota. It was great to have him as a backup. He should have won that Charger game. You saw the importance of the backup quarterback position in the NFL. You need someone out there that's going to be able to win football games. I am totally down for that. But again, the same theory about Trent Brown. The team is not good enough to pay a backup quarterback almost $11 million. And I know it's only for one more year. So I think you use Marcus Mariota as a trade piece. 
I think he showed enough in that one game where a team might go, you know what? Let's give him a chance. And you could do some type of Ryan Tannehill deal where maybe they give you a really late, whatever it is, conditional sixth, you know, conditional fifth, seventh round, whatever the hell it is, and they take on his contract or take on six, seven million dollars of his contract. I think you can see that. He's still young enough where a team could say, you know what, we're going to get a starting caliber quarterback for under $10 million on a one-year deal, and we roll the dice. So I think you don't cut Marcus Mariota. I think you see if you could trade him, see if it's a draft day type deal for a guy like Mariota. Gabe Jackson and his 9.6. It's a hefty number for Gabe. I love Gabe Jackson. We all love Gabe Jackson. He's been a trooper the whole time he's been with the Raiders. So while I think that number's pretty high, if I was a betting man right now, I'd say that they go to him for a restructure or a slash a little bit. And he stays on the Raiders for 2021 because early part of the season, the trio of Rodney Hudson, who didn't make all pro, and I could spend half an hour waxing poetic on how ridiculous that is. Rodney Hudson, Denzel Good, Gabe Jackson was the strength of the Raiders offensive line and the strength of the offense. They were pushing dudes around and the run game was tremendous. So the scenario in my brain is Gabe comes back on a lower cap number, team friendly cap number. They move on from Richie Incognito and his 6.5 because I just don't rate, I don't think Richie's going to be healthy enough. You know, it's, it's really frustrating because I wish they signed him at a younger age because he's just, he, he epitomizes what a Raider is. I wish his Raider career lasted longer, but the Achilles can go at any time. He obviously didn't feel like it was strong enough to come back this year, and that would worry me a little bit. So I think that you keep Gabe at a lower number, you let Richie go. So what does this all mean? This, this means basically the Raiders could free up easily in my mind 40, between 45 and $54 million in cap space. That is plenty, plenty to go out there and land some big fish in free agency. Plenty. But as we saw last year, it is no slam dunk that you go out there and hit big in free agency. The Raiders have never hit big in free agency. They've never really hit that grand slam out there with signing a guy and getting everything out of them. So before we get to the free agents that I like, and again, we have a long offseason. I don't want to dive too deep into it because the season's not even over yet. We're still in the playoffs. We don't know who's going to get cut. We don't know who's going to retire. We don't know all those type of things. So I don't want to dive too deep. Guys that I think will be back, or let's 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 discuss their eligibility to come back. Denzel Good, I already talked about him. I think he's a no-brainer to come back. He won't cost you a lot of money. He played his ass off. He loves being a Raider. He told us on Silver and Black Radio on Sirius XM that just putting the uniform on, unif- the Raider uniform on, easy for me to say, gives him chills because of Art Shell and Gene Upshaw and the guys that played before him. So Denzel Good's a no-brainer to me. It won't cost a lot of money. Tack McKinley, I think, comes back because they claimed him and used that spot. I, I think, again, you're talking about a guy coming back probably for a veteran minimum. So you kind of roll the dice and see that it's a former first-round pick just the way you did with Aguilar, and you try to catch lightning in the bottle. So another guy that won't cost you a lot of money. I think Devontae Booker comes back. I think he showed you enough as a, the, the backup role to, to Josh Jacobs. But I still look what the Cleveland Browns are doing right now. And the biggest thing to me, and one of the reasons this team is 8-8 eight and eight, and we're sitting here talking about business season instead of postseason, is because they couldn't finish games. I'm of the mindset that 
while Booker was good, maybe we get an, another upgrade at running back, whether that's through the draft or a free agency or something. Bring another guy in. Do the Cleveland Brown model. Nick Chubb, who is top three running back in the league. Just because you bring in a guy like Kareem Hunt doesn't mean that he's not any good. But look at that one-two punch. Look at what they're able to do in Cleveland, putting games away. So I think Booker will come back. I wouldn't be surprised to see John Gruden go out there and try to upgrade the running back position a little bit more. Other guys that we won't dive into too much. You all know if you listen to this podcast, I'm not a big Nicholas Morrow fan. I think he's a good player. I think he's a backup linebacker. He's a free agent to be. I think some team out there will watch him on tape and see things that they like and want to pay him a little bit more. And if that's the case, see you later. Eric Harris, see you later. Great man, great dude. We have to upgrade at the safety position. I'll get to that in a minute. Jonathan Hankins, they'll probably bring back. And well, again, it won't cost you. First eight, 10 games of the season, he was really, really good. Up there in the PFF rankings of top run defenders at defensive tackle. Later in the year, it kind of he kind of disappeared a little bit. And all of a sudden, teams were just gashing the Raiders on the run. So I think Hankins is back. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But again, it's not breaking the bank. But let's talk about the one, the elephant in the room, when it comes to free agent re-signs for the Raiders. And that's Nelson Aguilar. I will sit here and say I was not excited about the signing. I didn't think that he was going to do anything. I'm an East Coast guy. I live in Jersey. I'm from New York. I know all about Nelson Aguilar and his drops and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't on board. He proved everybody wrong. Shout out to Nelson Aguilar. He had an amazing season. He showed you the speed. That was the biggest thing that really struck me about Aguilar was the speed. I didn't realize how fast the dude was. And, of course, the hands, because that was the biggest problem with him in Philadelphia. Here's my problem with Nelson Aguilar. He, by all rights, and if I was him too, I would go out there and get myself a huge payday because he deserves it because he balled out last year and he showed that he could be a really good receiver. I don't trust paying Nelson Aguilar premium wide receiver money. Take the money you're going to give Tyrell Williams, $11 million. Could you give that to Nelson Aguilar? In theory, yes. I'm worried about that. I'm worried, and as, as good a season as Aguilar had had, and, and the greater connection that Carr had with him, I'm worried that he won't do it again. So for that reason, I want to see where his market is. If team, someone comes out there and gives him a huge payday, you just say, you know what, you had a great year, you, you built it up, good luck to you. But if it wanes a little bit and people kind of think the way I did, ah, maybe it's kind of, and I'm not saying it's fluky. I'm, I'm not saying anything like that. But maybe it was a flash in the pan type of deal. Maybe you can get Aguilar back on a one, another one-year deal, another kind of prove year or a two-year deal. I'm down for that. I just think with Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs and maybe another veteran out there, receiver that you could bring in cheaper, it's the whole story of this whole podcast. I'm not worried about the offense. If Nelson Aguilar goes, I'm not worried the offense is going to fall over. I, I think Brian Edwards could take a lot of those things. We, we need Henry Ruggs to take that next possession. You took two receivers early for that reason. And you could still get a cheap, another cheap veteran receiver in here to kind of do the same thing that Aguilar did. So I think those funds need to be allocated somewhere else. So let's see how the market is for Nelson Aguilar. I want him back in silver and black, but I'm not going to overpay for him because his team needs way too much. All right, let's quickly get into some guys and some, and I've said this on the podcast last time, but 
the two biggest needs for this football team, in my opinion, other than need new defensive coordinator, and they got that, is a ball-hawking free safety. And hallelujah that 2021 is looking like a premier year in free agency for ball-hawking safeties. You have some guys, and again, we're January 13th, a lot could change. Guys can get franchise tagged, long-term deals could happen, what have you. So we have a lot to go on this. But there, are, there looks like a, there's just a lot of guys, young football players, hitting the market or potentially hitting the market that the Raiders could target. Number one, Justin Simmons in Denver. I, I screamed and yelled last year. He was my number one target. Broncos franchise tagged him. The Raiders couldn't do anything about that. He's going to possibly hit the market again. While I say that, the Broncos are in pretty good cap situation, so you would think that they would want to bring a player like Justin Simmons back. Number two. Anthony Harris, another franchise player from the Minnesota Vikings. This year, kind of a down year, but in years past, he proved that he could be that steady, free safety, perfect for Gus Bradley, what he wants to run in the cover three. So you have Anthony Harris would be my 1B in that situation. You have other guys. You have Marcus Williams, who's right up there in the PFF grades from the New Orleans Saints, young football player, 26 years old, could play free, good against the run. You have Marcus May from the Jets. I know Raider fans seem to love Marcus May. I don't know what it is. I get tweets all the time about Marcus May. I'm with it. And you got John Johnson from the Rams. So there's there's five or six good football players out there. The Raiders have to come away with one of those guys to play free safety because it has been a, since Seawoods left, it has been an absolute void and a hole for this football team forever. They need someone that could play center field, that won't give up the big plays, that can command the defense. They need that guy. They need that guy to, to, to cause turnovers. They need that Derwin James that Gus Bradley had for a little bit in, uh, in L.A. But you saw what some of the safety play happen with the Chargers. The Raiders need that desperately. And I'm sure there's guys in the draft they can get too. I'm not up to the draft stuff yet. We have to get to the senior bowl and stuff. But this is a premier year if you want a free agent safety. And you might have to overpay a little bit, but the Raiders have no choice. That is a glaring hole, in my opinion. And the other one is interior pass rush. When I say interior pass rush, yeah, we all know we need we need some type of pass rush because, let's be honest, the pass rush on this football team was absolutely god-awful. It went from really getting better under Brenton Buckner to really bad under Rod Marinelli, who's coming back again. So this team lacks push up the middle. They have absolutely no. You got nothing from Malik Collins. Jonathan Hankins good against the run. He's not good at, you know, speed rush, that kind of guy. Mo Hurst missed some time. They just got nothing from that position. So what do you got to do? Are you going to spend money on the guy that the Raiders could have took in, instead of Amari Cooper? And that's Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams was, I don't want to say, again, I'm an East Coast guy, so I saw it firsthand. I don't want to say it was a bust. When you say Leonard Williams is a bust, people are like, oh, no, he's not a bust. He's just, he's, he's a good, solid football player. Yeah, well, he exploded this year with the New York Giants. Down the stretch, he was a dominant force. And maybe that's a player coming into his prime. He's 27, excuse me, 27 years old. Maybe that's a player coming into his prime that you could target. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money. I mean, he made franchise tag money from the, from the Giants. It's $16 million. So you're talking probably 18 to $20 million. Are you going to be willing to pay that to Leonard Williams? Should a team like the Raiders that let Khalil Mack go pay that to a Leonard Williams? 
I know those guys in the draft, the guy from Alabama, that you could probably plug in there, but this team needs some type of interior pass rush. They have to have it. Interior pass rush, another linebacker, ball hawking free safety, and corners. They have to upgrade this defense. I don't want to dive too much into the free agent pool again because we don't know all the guys that are going to be out there. There's going to be tons of guys out there. I think this is going to be a really, really volatile offseason. When I say volatile, a lot of activity, trades, all that kind of stuff. That gets me juiced up, gets me fired up. Because you know why? I don't have a playoff game to watch. My team's not in the playoffs. All I could hope for is trades and drafts and all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I'm the type of guy that would go on Madden and just, you know, go crazy, churning the roster over. But so what? If you think about it, you churn the roster over until you get what you want. We're going to go into year four of John Gruden. And while the offense has shown strides, the defense hit absolute rock bottom. It can only come up. You need better play from the guys that you drafted, and you need to hit on free agency. I don't want to be sitting here four years from now telling you, We have to get out of this Leonard Williams contract. It's a disaster. You got to cut him. You don't want to have to cut a Trent Brown. You don't want to have to cut a Tyrell Williams. You don't want to have to cut a LaMarcus Joyner. You don't have to cut these guys after two years. But that's the case in the NFL because most of the time, free agency doesn't work out. That's why you have to hit on the draft. But they have no choice. If you free up all this money, if you do all these types of things to free up this cap space, you could hit reset and reset this defense. Make it a good unit. Make it something that's going to go out there and compete because now you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Justin Herbert, and you're going to have the rest of the AFC quarterbacks. Look at Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. You're going to have to compete with these dudes. If Carr is the quarterback going forward, and yes, he's the quarterback going forward, at least for next year, you need to build this defense up. You need some war daddies on this defense. You need some game changers on this defense. Please, please. I appreciate everybody listening. We'll do it again soon. Welcome to the business season of the NFL. Good night.